This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Lieber. President of the United States, George H. W. Bush. And a good Saturday afternoon, everyone, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. We're actually, I guess you would call us, J Doc, Saturday afternoon with Philly Labor as we come to you on a Saturday and we're um, coming on early today leading you into Temple and St. Joe's basketball right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We also remind uh, everyone to fly your United States flag at half staff through December 30th 2018 which represents 30 days from the passing of George H.W. Bush. Saturday afternoon here on Philly Labor, presented by Pond Lahaki, powered by our good friends at the Sinesta Hotel, fueled by Jim Stevenson at Chapman Ford, and supported by Teladoc. Hello, Jay Doc. How are you, sir? I'm great, Krause. It's great to be here on this Saturday afternoon, like you said. Um, Big show today. Good show. One studio guest, rapid fire for 60 minutes. Oh, yeah. We have... Uh, Wendell Young, who's the president of UFC W1776 KS, and we're going to talk about where the KS came from. It's a, a new edition. Uh, it's been a big merger, so we're going to have a lot to talk about there. But yeah, Joe, you started off the uh, the program uh, with the passing of the 41st president of the United States, and and certainly, you know, politics aside, you know, listen, you listen to our own president Pat Iding here in Philadelphia. And we talk about, um, you know, labor is not a political party. Uh, it's it's a movement. And, uh, you know, we pay homage to, to, to the 41st president of the United States. Uh, one of the things that when, when I think uh, about George Bush, I always think about the American uh, with Disabilities Act uh, legislation that he passed in 1990 that prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal. It's amazing that it, it took that long, but, you know, amongst being a part of, uh, you know, ending the Cold War and so many other things, um, you know, that's a big deal that we, that we see every day that we, you know, that Americans get to, uh, you know, experience the benefits benefits of that every day. And so, uh, obviously, you know, 
thoughts and prayers uh, to 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 uh, the Bush family, and of course, um, you know, all Americans today. We certainly concur, and we certainly agree that we live. Uh, in the greatest country uh, in this world. Wendell Young, as you mentioned, is our studio uh, guest today, and he's going to join us for the full hour. We're going to cover uh, a range of topics and a range uh, of discussions. And Wendell, let me welcome you into the program. The last time we had uh, you on Saturday Night Live with uh, Philly Labor was uh, a dialogue with Governor Wolf um, when we were in conversation. Uh, may have been about seven months out or six or seven months ago, so nice I hope you're well, and it's nice to have you uh, this time in studio. We had you, I think, parked on the side of the Pennsylvania That's right. Turnpike, heading up west, <laughs> heading to Western PA, and we have you uh, have you live in studio. So nice to have you here. I was uh, I was parked on the side of the road, and and I do remember that. But listen, thanks for inviting me in today. I really appreciate it. And if I can, um, I just want to go back to your comments about George Bush and passage of the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. What a contrast to where we are today. You know, we lost the president, who I didn't vote for, and many unions didn't support. But, um, you know, we may not have agreed with all his policies, but he was a decent man who didn't do things in a mean-spirited nature. And today we have a president, I'm sorry to say, who openly mocks disabled people. What a contrast. Uh, I hope hope this last election was a strong indication. I, I think it was that everyone's basically just holding their nose for two more years and we get rid of this guy. The interesting thing about that is somebody, uh, one of the reporters said today that um, that they thought, that, you know, I guess uh, uh, George Bush, uh, 43, wrote a book about his father and some people said it should have been named The Last Gentleman because he was a gentleman. Yeah. And, right. um, and so certainly, uh, yeah, no question about it. It is a contrast and, I, you know, it's f- amazing that you bring that up. Uh, still to this day, hard to believe that our president would act like that in front of people, mimicking a a, a disabled person. What what a disgrace! Um, and so, but you know, you know where you take care of that, right? That's right. In the voting booth in a couple years. When they'll tell uh, the listening audience, perhaps. Um listeners who are tuning in here on talk radio 1210 wpht um who don't know uh, what ufcw local 1776 ks actually is who do you represent we know the union is um is large uh tell us about it so uh, we represent uh, thirty-five thousand workers um most of whom are in pennsylvania uh, we now stretch into the uh, Wheeling Valley, Ohio Valley, part of West Virginia and Ohio, uh, very close to Western PA. Uh, we have a, a, a couple of uh, supermarkets up in the Hudson Valley area of New York. We have a few members in South Jersey, just out of Philadelphia, but the lion's share of our members are here in Pennsylvania, which is why we've recently adopted the name uh, UFCW 1776 Keystone State. That's what the KS stands for. And that's a result of a merger we just went through. You know, I've been with the union for over 40 years now. I started as a clerk here in Philadelphia at Fifth and Luzerne at a, at a Penn Fruit store. I was actually a Teamster then, um, but soon after went to work for Acme and became a member of Retail Clerks Local 1357. Um, Soon after that, our union merged nationally. The, the meat cutters and the clerks came together to form the United Food and Commercial Workers Union in 79. Actually, it was effective in 80. And then a lot of mergers occurred through the 80s and 90s and up to today where locally um, groups came together. So, you know, the union I joined uh, in 1979 when I was at Acme Markets, 
was a Philadelphia local, a little bit of the surrounding counties. Uh, today, we're all of Pennsylvania and a little bit more. And, and the local was almost entirely retail back then. Today, we're a very diverse union. Uh, we represent, uh, we still represent a large number of, uh, majority of our members are supermarket employees, locally, Acme, ShopRite, Fresh Grocer, Shop and Bag, uh, Western PA, a lot, of, a lot of different companies, but mostly Giant Eagle. We represent, as many know, the state wine and spirit store employees throughout the state. And uh, we have uh, drug stores, CVS, uh, uh, Walgreens, and Rite Aid uh, in different parts of the state. Uh, we represent nurses in, and nurses' aides in nursing homes and custodial employees and cafeteria employees in nursing homes and school districts. We represent a lot of food processing employees, the NAUS cooperatives in, in south-central Pennsylvania, Hanover Brands, uh, Cargill Meat Solutions up in Hazel, and Hershey Foods we represent workers um, some manufacturing companies like Shot Glass, a uh, big German company that has uh, some plants here and one in PA. And uh, we represent some casino workers, you know, out in West Virginia, the Wheeling Valley area, um, and, and, and others. I could go on and on, office clerical employees. So it's a very diverse union. Um, it's about, a, as I said, it's 35,000 workers. Uh, we have a staff of about 100 people, offices around the state. And, uh, we, you know, the, the latest merger was May 1st of this year. Last time we were talking, you yes. were you were in the at, middle of that. We were in the middle of the actual merger itself. The you votes. were because you actually were leaving. We were on the phone. And you said, "I have to go." We're, we're voting on it tonight. Yeah, there were votes um, this past year, and then the merger was effective May first. And you know, when you're bringing two organizations together like this, it, there's a lot of really great things um, that you can achieve. But but it's also a lot of uh, logistics, a lot, a lot of work, logistics. You're right, good term to pull it together. But you're not just merging organizations, you're also merging cultures because, you know, even in the same industry, people in Western PA are different and have different traditions they've built and different contracts and structures and ways of doing things. So Now, if you're in my world, you would think that, yeah, you're right about that. Some of them, they wear the black and the yellow and we wear the green. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I heard something about <laughs> On that. On Sundays. I right? heard something about it. Apparently, when I'm in Western PA, I am a Steelers fan <laughs> right, and a Penguins right. fan and a Pirates fan. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and now you're here in 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 the uh in the wake of the Ben Franklin Bridge and you got you, we're going to get you your Eagles attire but there yeah no go. absolutely you're 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 covering a large portion of the state and what I thought was really amazing was that um what you said earlier before we went on to, on this was uh, a merger brought on by leadership on both sides not an international thing that's correct you guys yeah. you guys did this because you felt it would benefit both locals it, it, it did and you know we've talked about this over the years um uh, you know going back even before i was president the two organizations had talked about it but you know the thing that brought us together was the fight to keep the wine and spirit shops publicly owned here in PA. and we've done a lot of we, that with you we worked yeah. very closely together on that and as a result it, it, it really, the staffs of both organizations, more than anything, the leadership saw the merits before, but the staff started seeing the merits like, we did such a good job working together. They said, you know, we ought to do this across the board on more issues That's and contracts great. and within the industries. And, and that led to the conversation in the past year and a half that, that brought us to where we are today. Well, the, the thing about that is, and you talk about a, a staff of 100, we've heard of uh, different unions with you know one normally much larger union will will take in a, a smaller union that maybe you know just the membership is gone is dwindling and there's a couple people on the staff but when you're talking about a hundred 
and you're talking about a lot of officials that i mean that that's when you know you've got a great relationship you can see the synergy and uh, the impact now i mean 35,000 members i mean you guys were huge before but you guys you know you guys can impact on some issues so it, w- w- the numbers are one thing but what it really comes down to is it enables us to respond for our members more quickly efficiently effectively we can pull people from anywhere in our local to respond to an issue that comes up anywhere anytime uh, i have a meeting tomorrow a very tense bargaining situation with one of the employers uh, up along the i80 carter in berwick pa and uh, you know i'll be there at seven o'clock tomorrow morning to get ready for that meeting at, at about little after 8 a.m and we're bringing about 20 staff in from different places to help these members through a very difficult time um that's hard to do um you know when you don't have the resources you have to borrow from other places and we still may have to do that but um, but you know we had a lot of really difficult contracts this year out in western pa right after the merger uh happened and and we were able to bring people from eastern pa out there to help support and assist as as well as the finances of the local um uh, put us in better position to deal with whatever's thrown in front of us so we feel it was the right thing to do for the members uh uh, and and we're, we're we're working through it right now. Wendell Young is our special guest here in the studio. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor at an earlier time uh, on this Saturday as we come to you from 4 to 5 p.m. and we lead you into uh, Temple St. Joe's basketball. You'll hear all of the action uh, right here on 1210 WPHT. We'll get to our first commercial break. We'll begin uh, some hard dialogue or some good conversation with, uh, with Wendell. We'll get below the surface. Uh, a little bit. Um, We'll also get into our union yes, union no conversation and uh, I think we'll never cover the ground that we need to cover in the next four or in the remaining 44 minutes J-Doc, but we certainly uh, can scratch the surface uh, with that as well. And then later on at 4.34 today, Jim Jenkins will be along uh, to talk with us and we'll bring him in for a few moments to talk about an event that he has going on down in D.C. We'll get to a commercial break when we come back this is saturday night live with philly labor back in a moment and back here on talk radio 1210 wpht welcome into saturday night live with philly labor along with j doc i'm joe kraus coming to you on a saturday afternoon 421 in the delaware valley remember we lead you into temple st joe's basketball right here uh, on talk radio 1210 wpht wendell young is our special guest uh in studio and wendell um i've shown my age a couple of times here uh today uh not on air but uh for the audience to use theater of the mind that's okay uh to understand i referred to uh wine and spirit shops to be state stores um and also didn't realize the depth or the magnitude of ufcw 1776 in terms of ks uh, uh, ks in, in in terms of um <laughs> the numbers of different unions that fall under the umbrella of 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 1776 i want to stay i think the topic of privatization is something that everybody immediately thinks about is that even something that you're fighting today or is it it a conversation that you have every day where are we with that well well, as you know for the past 10 um almost 10 years now it's been the holy grail for mike terzai uh, the current speaker of the Pennsylvania House, uh, uh, prior to that, since 2011, the, um, the, the majority leader of the House, 
um, and it was a priority for Governor Corbett. Uh, we fought it very aggressively. Uh, our members put a lot of time, effort, money, sweat into that. Uh, we had great allies, uh, first and foremost amongst the labor community, but also uh, many other uh, groups within the community at large, and, 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 it, and we've defeated it. We did take uh, somewhat of a loss in that there's been a little dilution. You know, you, you now have um, uh, wine in supermarkets. Uh, we didn't think that was a good idea. We think it's going to cannibalize profits for, for the uh, state. And let's, let's face it, when we talk about cannibalizing profits for the state, you know, that's, that's taxpayer. That's money that goes back to the taxpayers. And that now these retailers are going to enjoy some of that. But it was a compromise that uh, our governor and, and people in the legislature offered to get the pressure of full-blown privatization off the table. Having said that, we've been fighting privatization every year for more than 40 years. Um, you know, some people think it was Thornburg that was the first governor. Others only recall the recent round with uh, Corbett. But it really went back to the end of the second term of Governor Milton Schapp. Uh, where the first ideas were floated seriously in the legislature and had SHAP support. Uh, and this union's been, you know, the only organized institution uh, supporting not only the workers we represent, but the taxpayers of Pennsylvania. And every prediction since that time, since back in the 70s, um, that the system was failing, that it was going broke, um, have been proven wrong. In fact, what has happened, you can just take this recent push with Mike Terzai. He started this quest in 2010 during the rise of the teabag movement. And uh, this became one of his, his uh, uh, cornerstones to wanting to take over the House and become the, the, the majority leader, uh, was that the system was going to be broke within a few years and a burden on the taxpayers. Actually, every year since then, it has broken its own records year over year in total dollars collected and total profitability. Um, and, and that's been the story of the PLCB forever. I am worried that that growth rate of profit and revenue to the state uh, has already started to the trend lines kind of kind of leveled off a little bit. It hasn't hasn't plateaued. It's just not growing as fast as it normally did. Usually it had about four to six, four to seven, five to seven percent growth in, in revenue and profits. Um, that's probably going to be one or point, two points lower, but still growth and still break records every year. Now, Wendell, why is it that the public doesn't want the government in the liquor business. Well, I don't. I don't really think it's. If you look at the actual research and the actual neutral polls on the subject, it's not the people. This is being pushed by the Koch brothers, by the Commonwealth Foundation, conservative talk show hosts. Some of them at the same address uh, in the station. Um, this is all paid for and fueled by private industry. Who wants their hands on the money? It's always been about the money. Nobody in Pennsylvania now or in the past has ever had a hard time finding a place to get a drink or to buy liquor. The The problem for the, the issue here has never been an outcry from the public. Sure, people would like the convenience and be able to buy everything, um, uh, you know, in one-stop shopping. And people would like the convenience, uh, especially those who have drinking problems, to buy it, you know, right on their front step. Um, not have to leave the house. But the reality is that when, when asked to, to, to balance, you know, the idea that, that this helps offset their tax burden with that convenience, overwhelmingly voters, shoppers, consumers want to keep the system in, in their hand. They're, they're the shareholders, the owners of the system. They benefit from it. And the drive comes from the retailers and the distributors. 
um, and the and the producers because when you're Pennsylvania, you know first of all they want their their hands on it for themselves. But when you're Pennsylvania and you're buying for such a big big geographic state and a densely populated state, you can leverage the best deals from the producers and the distributors, the middlemen, and they don't like that. Some do. Some appreciate being able to deal with one-stop shopping in terms of selling their products, but most don't like the prices being leveraged down. So the, the push comes from two segments, the people that, that produce and or distribute and the people that retail that want the profit on it, the, the local grocery stores, convenience stores, the others. Um, this never, ever in the history of this issue was a groundswell of public demand for this change. It's always been fueled by those who want to profit from it instead of the taxpayers. Well, I always was struck really hard about the number of people that it would have laid off. Um, we were minimized. It was a, what, like minimum well, 5,000. So, so the PLCB, uh, the agency, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, employs about 5,000 people. Our union represents about 3,700 of them right now. Um, uh, they're full and part-time clerks in the liquor stores. That's the folks we represent. AFSME represents about... Um, I think it's about four or 500 people. Uh, the Independent State Store Union represents the union managers, represents uh, several hundred people. And then the, uh, some Teamsters are involved, too. And then the rest are non-union, clerical, admin, and, and management personnel. Um, you know, if you had – look look at what's happened, whether it's the shipyards here in Philadelphia, um, uh, Briar's Ice Cream, you know, 20 years ago, um, any anything in between. When you've had companies with – hundreds and, and, and or thousands of employees looking to leave the state. You know, governors, legislators have put multi-million dollar, sometimes near, near billion dollar deals together to either prevent companies from leaving or attract companies in, like, like the big uh, fuel plant out in Western PA. Um, but here they're willing to toss thousands of workers out of work and lose the revenue that helps pay the bills in the state. That was just crazy, crazy talk. Not to mention, you now have liquor potentially being sold in in grocery stores. Now you can get, of course, I, you know it's amazing. Now you you can go to Whole Foods and they have a bar at Whole Foods or whatever. The look now you, you don't see as, you're not going to see nearly as many mom and pop uh, liquor establishments because the liquor licenses now cost two hundred thousand dollars, and you know you can know it's very difficult for an individual to purchase a, a restaurant liquor license. That's true. And you're already seeing that. You're seeing the big chain supermarkets buying up uh, and the big box stores buying up all the licenses, making them uh, unobtainable. In fact, there was a delicatessen behind my house in Montgomery County, made the best hoagies anywhere. Uh, been around the old-fashioned way, the way they were when I grew up in right. Philadelphia. Here, right. You know, Deets and Watson meets, you know, good mm -hmm. quality, lots yeah. of it. You know, the way hoagies are supposed yeah, to be listen, made. Not, I'm like, thinking. not like those convenience stores, the, the chain convenience stores make them, right? Right. And, uh, you know, they, they they couldn't withstand the pressure of – it was real simple. The grocery store down the street wanted their liquor license. They didn't want to sell it. But if they didn't sell it, they'd buy somebody else's. And put them out of business. And they would put them out of business by selling the beer there. It was the beer license they wanted. And, and with that, they could also sell wine. So um, uh, they had to sell it. And without the the, the, the beer uh, side of the business, the, the deli now has boards in the window. Yeah, it's terrible. And and, and it's it's a corporate-type situation. That was, by the way, three generations of family that worked in that yeah. store. I mean, that you know, I see it every day. I was in a, a liquor business here in Philly um, uh, for, uh, you know, about 15 years. And uh, a lot of my, you know, friends that are still in the business uh, or trying to get back in because sometimes they, you know, they'll 
switch you know places they'll come and go but that you know the, the liquor licenses are so expensive because it, it's everything's going corporate the big uh, ch- you know chains whole foods places like that are, are are not not only buying them all up they're raising they're running the prices through the roof and i think back then when we were talking about the privatization issue um they were talking about it was going to be so much better for the state thinking that we're all stupid and, and the fact that they were going to be selling the licenses one time and you know that that was going to make up for all the individuals that were that were going to be out of a job i mean there's only you know we're, we're stupid but not that stupid <laughs> i mean that was just a ridiculous thing and and i'm really glad i mean individuals like yourself uh really spearheading this and kept individuals in good middle class jobs uh otherwise you, you know what well, i think we talked about the fact many times that it would have been one of the biggest state layoffs in the history of the commonwealth yeah well it, it would have occurred over a two or three year period but the cumulative effect would have been you know, you would have seen three to four thousand people uh, laid off as a result. Um, and, that, and and by the way, Mike Terzai, you've said that a hundred. We've talked about this a hundred times. How, I mean, how does somebody like that go to sleep? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think Mike worries too much about people who work for a living. I, I think his bread's buttered by other people. Um, look, there's a bigger issue. We all hear the same conservatives who want to sell the system have made a lot of noise about the. The state, the two big state employee pension funds, the teachers and and the one for everyone else, the government employee pension funds. Um, think about this: the money that the that the liquor, the wine spirit stores returns to the treasury of Pennsylvania is after it pays all its bills, including the health and pension fund contributions. So now you have that underfunded fund. Not only our current thirty seven hundred people are participants there, but the tens of thousands that have worked there over the past decades and you have all their liabilities in there and you get rid of the system if they were to have gotten rid of the system the system wouldn't be paying those liabilities the taxpayers of pennsylvania would have right it's not just the revenue that comes in every year and the jobs and the percolator effect of having those jobs but the taxpayers of pennsylvania would have been on the hook for all of those liabilities that have to be paid for um, down the road that right now the system itself is paying for and there was nothing in any bill by the Republicans to cover that loss. Nothing. And that's billions of dollars. Wendell, as we go to the break, I want to leave the audience with a one last thought on this. The, what is the number on a yearly basis that Pennsylvania gets from, uh, from the liquor stores? The, wine the, the numbers source. approaching um, three quarters of a billion dollars in taxes and profit combined, and there's a number of different tax pockets, um, and then there's money that gets sent before it goes to treasury. Um, money gets peeled out and goes to local municipalities. There's money that goes to the state police. There's money that go to drug and alcohol programs. The money to pay 100 percent of the overhead costs to run in the system, including all the salaries, benefits, everything. And then what's left over goes to, to the state, both the tax revenues they collect. You know, Pennsylvania is uh, the only place other than Utah in the entire country that gets 100 percent tax collection from the retail sale of the product because they're the ones collecting it. Every other state has tens of millions of dollars in losses on that every year for a whole variety of reasons. So, so when you take the taxes and the profit together, you know, you're talking about uh, uh, well over half a billion dollars and on a trajectory to reach very soon about three quarters of a billion dollars. As we go to the break, uh, 
the next time somebody asks you or poses the question to you, why is the government in the liquor business? There's your answer. Back in a moment. I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Wendell Young is in studio with us. He's our special guest for the full hour. Again, a reminder, we lead everybody, Jay Doc, uh, into a good basketball game tonight. Temple St. Joe's, you'll hear all the live action right here on 1210 WPHD. Oh, yeah, big five action, man. Nothing like Nothing it. like Philly basketball. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we, um, I'm happy to have a... As a part of the, tonight's broadcast, uh, a great friend of the program, somebody who champions us big time, and he's uh, he's spearheading an initiative, uh, a ten thousand flags initiative in the city of Philadelphia, um, and and uh, they're they're having a big event, and and uh, I want to welcome Jim Jenkins into the program. Jim, how are you, Joe? Thanks, Joe Kraus and Joe Doc. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you, buddy. I know you've been on. This is your second time on. You're becoming a veteran, if you will. Tell everybody. Uh, first of all, what the, initi- the FLAGS initiative is. Well, the FLAGS initiative was started three and a half years ago in uh, city council. We had a resolution passed widely supported by um, David O and nine other council people. It was a busy day. or We would have, we'd, we would have had the rest sign the resolution. And since then, we have 140 flags helped by Joe DeFelice and Joe uh, Ortlieb up in northeast Philadelphia. Alan Dom's helping it immensely now. He's he's on board 110%, Councilman Dom. And David Crane read the, read, wrote the original resolution. So now we're getting uh, flags throughout Center City. We're working on the Ben Franklin Bridge. And since then, we're going to uh, sponsor a trip to Arlington. Now, Arlington has 400,000 veterans' graves in Virginia, and then they have 2.2 million around the country. And in one weekend, they try to get... Jim, you Hold there for a moment. We may have dropped. Uh, Jim may have uh, momentarily uh, dropped out. Uh, we'll see if we can get him, if Maddie's able to he get him flagged. back in the line. Yeah, flagged. <laughs> Jimmy, you with us or no? No, okay, so we, lo- uh, we lost him. Uh, He'll be back on. Is, yeah, we'll try and get Jimmy back in. Yeah, he's got, uh, what they're doing is just, it's so refreshing. <laughs> uh, you know, the, they're doing such a great job. Um, you know, and uh, you know they're they're spearheading an initiative to put flags on top of all of our buildings that don't already have them. I remember. I mean, we are going into as we begin this month of Dece- as we begin the month of December here. We um, we certainly don't have anywhere near the tenure uh, that Wendell has, but we're only six years old now uh, with Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. But Jay Doc, I do remember um, uh, when uh, the conversation with Jim or when the idea surfaced and and this thing all started a few years back we had him on the broadcast just to talk about it um and the difference in terms of the uh progression uh, i think is significant so if we don't get him back on air well, to have a chance to tell him that um uh jimmy you're back with us Yes, I'm here. All right, uh, let's see how good you are. Uh, let's see how good you are being a radio guy. Pick up in mid sentence exactly mid-sentence. where so you anyway, went off. Exactly when where you went so off. So t- <laughs> tell us about Arlington, Jim. What you guys okay, are guys, doing? So December fifteenth, we're leaving from the uh, stadium area. 
a bus two or more if we have to. It, it, it depends on the support that we get from people. And we have a website. It's called uh, 10,000, the number, American Flags at gmail.com. And Amy Depp is helping me. We're getting people to go on the bus. We have some VFW groups coming with us. We have one and a half buses full now. We can get more buses and more L people are welcome. So you, go, you leave at 4 a.m. Saturday morning, December 15th. We get to Arlington about 7. We get instructed on what we're going to do. Each reef gets put in front of a grave. There's a 1,000 buses coming from all over the East Coast. And you put the reef on the soldier's grave. You mention their name and their service. And then you move on to the next one. At 12 o'clock, we're done. We get on the bus at 1 and we come back. The buses will be provided. Now we're talking so so you're putting wreaths so you're putting the wreaths on the on the graves uh, of, of of our lost soldiers um and that's that's so i i i made i mistaked i thought it was flags but that but that, i mean either way it's just an amazing jim w- w- when did you come up with that initiative and and uh just an amazing thing i mean something well, well, being involved in the Flags Initiative, I've been watching stuff about Arlington. I have a cousin that's buried there. His name's Sergeant James, James Barker. So I've been there for the service. And um, I just wanted to get more involved in, in the patriotic, uh, you know, putting the reefs on, on, on the graves at Arlington. So I figured we'd get a couple buses together and bring friends down. The reefs are provided. There's 400,000 graves getting put, being put, reefs put on that day, December 15th. I imagine the military takes over for whatever's not done by then. There's over 1,000 buses going. And every every grave in the country gets that, the reefs that weekend. Veterans so, graves. So that, happens, graves. so that happens annually? Yes. Awesome. Well, listen, Jim, we want to thank you for everything you're doing. Obviously, keep up the great work with the flags. Uh, very refreshing to have an America that wants to put flags up. Uh, love that. And and great job with the wreaths and to our to, to those who gave all. Thanks, Labor Radio. Thank uh, you guys. Good Bye. stuff from Jim, Jim, Jenkins. Uh, Jim Jenkins. Imagine that, uh, the magnitude of that when you hear that number, 400,000. Um, the scope and the magnitude uh, of that uh, just simply amazing. We're going to get to a commercial break, and then we're going to continue, or we're going to return, and then we'll spend our last segment, uh, Rapid Fire, with Wendell Young here in the studio. Back in a moment. I'm the coming out of that with them guys, okay? And I was a treasurer of the Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm-hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Wendell Young, who is the president of UFCW Local 1776. KS uh, is with us for the full uh, hour tonight. So nice to have you uh, in studio this time, Wendell. Thanks uh, again. Instead of by phone, thank you so much uh, for being here, Jay Doc. Our last segment perhaps will be our best segment uh, of the day. We're going to go rapid fire and try and cover uh, cover a lot as we roll to the top of the hour. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's great to have Wendell in house. Uh, it's always it's, nice when you get in studio. Nice yeah, it on the is. phone, better the logistics in the studio. of. Wendell being on a turnpike, Governor Wolf being in some office in Harrisburg, and us, it was, it was crazy. I almost feel as though Wendell's leaving here and he's going to be back on the turnpike, because if he's going to be uh, yeah. in Berwick yeah. at 7 a.m. tomorrow, he's either leaving tonight or he's leaving early tomorrow. Early which tomorrow morning. Early tomorrow early. morning. All right. So, uh, Wendell, um, you know, in our last segment, we'll talk, you know, we just... 
or fresh off the Janus decision. And, uh, you know, the demise of unions was predicted by the right. And, of course, it just united us. Uh, but if you will, please, please give us, a, you know, the status of unions today. So uh, Janus, this whole issue with Janus is a lot like what we talked about earlier with privatization of liquor stores here in Pennsylvania. This was not something that was driven by a groundswell of, of public employees who wanted to change in the status, although they did find a public employee in one state yeah, to file the lawsuit. Um, this was really about how to defund unions, how, how the powerful corporate elite want to defund unions, because contrary to what they want you to believe about the demise of unions, and it, it is true, over the decades there's been a large loss, and there's a lot of reasons for it. You could do a couple of shows on that alone. The reality is, as the as the income or the wealth or whatever you want to call it, disparity grows in this country. And we are back to levels that mirror the gilded age of the early part of the last century. Um, the, the feelings people have about unions has actually improved a lot. Um, so when you look at what unions do, how they do it, um, you know, that's what people are looking for. You look at some of the recent polling on the issue, um, you know, it shows that 68% uh, uh, a 68% majority of those workers ages 18 to 29 have a positive view of unions. Uh, overall, uh, in society, uh, workers in general have a 62% approval of unions. These numbers have been up in recent years. Uh, uh, and remember, much of the, the negative feelings about unions are the um, popular press perception that gets uh, uh, portrayed by those trying to vilify and try and get rid of unions, mostly funded through corporate uh, programs in this uh, independent expenditure environment. Um, when you look at the number of unions that, uh, no matter how you poll it, who want to belong to unions, if given a chance, would they vote for a union? Very high. So where, where's the problems come in? Well, when you have powerful interests, uh, making sure they get Supreme Court justices that'll land a decision like, like Janus, or you get companies who, when their workers want to organize a union, fight their own workers over it and scare and intimidate them and sure. usually fire people to show them that if you do this, we're going to get you. Um, of course, you know, it's hard to win those, uh, win those uh, uh, campaigns. But despite that, union membership actually has been climbing in recent years. And I think one of the best uh, things you started off the question with this is Janice, you know, was predicted to be the demise. What most unions of public sector workers have reported is that not only have very few people asked to get out of the union we across the country, but most of the unions representing public sector, and ours is no different, um, have been very successful at getting most of the people who were what were called fair share. In other words, they paid a lower fee because they weren't members, but they still had to pay the agency fee, which is what Janice was all about, getting them signed back up. Uh, we, we've gotten more than half of those people signed back up in our own union, and other unions have had same or even better results. So that tells you that you know, the public and workers in general are not opposed to unions. In fact, they prefer unions. And if they were left alone and not scared and intimidated and bullied by their employers and other corporate interests, unionization would be at much higher levels. And that's what the other side fears. Because if you look at any chart, any statistics about the, the amount, of, we all have heard it before, the amount of wealth concentrated by a few people in this country. Um, you know, when unions were at their highest membership and therefore were most effective, that gap was much lesser. What unions do is help raise the lower class into the middle class, and they help move people higher up within the middle class. I also, yeah, I think that I mean, obviously, I think that the that the 
the right, the the Koch brothers and the, and all those interested would have us go away. Like you said, this isn't the groundswell of the general public. Uh, uh, you know, and an uprising. It's perception and reality, J. Doc. I mean, the, well, the, the, sim- I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, I was going to say what what people perceive to be is not real is well, not reality it's a good point joe but let me tell you something else what they perceive is that unions are going to just uh, walk away and 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 they're going to like they're they're assuming our demise what they don't realize is that and wendell will attest to this more than anything the the mobilization um that it started uh, i it started a year before the janus decision actually happened where labor and really what they're doing is in many cases which and and i say this on a, a totally different area but um, you know, at 9-11, those terrorists thought America would just wilt, that that was going to, what we did was we, there was never a, a bigger solidarity than, than during that absolute tragic time. Okay. And I'm not trying to compare them, but you have uh, an, an interest trying to absolutely wipe the face of the United States with, uh, of, of, of unions and the right to collectively bargain, so, you know, so that they could profit. Because if you can't collectively bargain with your workforce now that they, now you have you're at the mercy of it. And what they've done is they've given us the opportunity. Uh, and by the way, I did, I'm not trying to compare the, the the two. I just was making a an analogy that maybe wasn't a good one, but it's the best one that I had. But the bottom line is this. They mobilized us. Labor leaders are talking to their members more than ever. And in many ways, they woke a sleeping giant. And unions are becoming stronger every day. So here's a great example, I think, sums it all up about, you know, how, do, how, how does people, how do people feel about unions and what's the impact of unions? Um, and I just want to run through a few things. First of all, in, in states that are what we call, what, what the other side calls right to work, we call right to work for less. Um, of course. The wages run about 20% less for people in the same jobs as their, as their union counterparts. Um, wages, you know, which, which, can, which total on average six to $10,000 a year difference. Benefits, workers in right to work for less states are significantly less likely to receive employer-based uh, healthcare insurance. Um, education spending, states with right to work for less laws spend 32.5% less per pupil in elementary and secondary education than the uh, states who, who are union strong. Uh, safety and health, the rate of workplace deaths in right to work for less states is 49% higher than in states like Pennsylvania. Uh, the 10 least healthy states to work in uh, are right to work for less states. And recent developments, just to prove and underscore some of the uh, polling I talked about earlier. Just this past September, in a deep red state of Missouri, 70%, nearly 70%, 67.5% of the voters voted to reject right to work legislation. So. These are just a few examples. We could spend a whole show talking about this issue. And, you know, I think John F. Kennedy Jr. said it, said it well. I'm not sure. He, I don't think he coined the phrase. A rising tide floats all boats. So whether you are a union member or not, in Absolutely. states that, that have strong unions and have strong union They're the rights, voice of the middle class. Everyone benefits, not just the union members. I always ask the audience... To imagine what it would be like without a union. Well, and and, and Wendell just gave me seven bullet points or seven valid reasons for people to think about and to process. And again, the next time the question comes up, those are 
That's real life. Those are real numbers. The Those one, are real dollars. When dollars hit us in our pocket, that that forces uh, change. I want to elaborate for a minute on on uh, what what when Wendell said right to work, just so people understand that that is a deceptive term. That doesn't mean the right to work. Because anybody, if you hear it right to work, you automatically think, yeah, I'm voting for that because I now have the right to work. That's not what it is. It, it's, it, and Wendell said it's a right to work for less. And that couldn't be said any better because now you have individuals that can, can they, they have a right to work. And if it's a union shop, they have a right to work there without joining the union. Next thing you know, There'll be more individuals not in the union that are in there. There's no such thing as collectively bargaining there. And now all of a sudden, you're working for less. And so don't, don't get fooled by that term, uh, paycheck protection. It's paycheck deception. There's all right. kinds. One thing that, that the right does really well is they deceive extremely well. They beat us in the PR, that, uh, in the PR game. So, I mean, that's what shows like this are all about. So... Um the, the, the phrase that comes to mind um, that goes back to ancient Latin and Greek times is the people have been getting screwed long enough. And and yeah. now, now is a great example. When you look at the disparity between the haves and have-nots in this country, and we were back to as bad as it was. I mean, I know there are, our listeners can't, can't see it, but I'm holding a chart up for those in the studio here that shows that disparity. And the last time we were in that point, workers started smartening up and coming together, it's like a cycle. Forming unions and and demanding more rights for unions, and that's what helped bring us into the fifties and sixties. You know, with a strong middle class, and and in this country, you know, we've seen the 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 jobs move more towards a service sector, which are lower paid. Uh, our economy is not sustainable in the long time if we don't have a strong middle class. Our best times in this country when we had a small middle class and the only institution in the history of this country that has helped make that middle class strong and keep it strong has been labor unions. So those who want to beat down unions, I think, are doing harm to, to and workers' rights to have unions are doing harm to our long-term sustainability. Absolutely. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210, uh, WPHT. Uh, Wendell Young, the president of UFCW Local 1776 uh, KS, has been our special guest uh, in studio. Um, I'm going to go around the horn before I uh, say goodbye. Uh, J-Doc, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Please don't take 31. And then, Wendell, I'm going to give you 30 (laughs) seconds as well. Well, I want to thank Wendell for being our in-studio guest tonight. It's great to have me. And he's this is his first time in the studio. We've done. He's been on the show many times on the line, but it's great to great to have him in. And and uh, Jim Jenkins for the job he's doing out there. Definitely fantastic initiative. Um, and our labor unions. Um, you know, you want to thank a labor union. Thank them for the weekends, for the uh, our breaks, including the lunch, uh, uh, paid vacations, family leave. Uh, sick leave, social security, minimum wage, civil rights. Google it. Google it. You're, you're, you're over 30. Am I over 30? I, I got about another 5, 10, 15 minutes. Why do I give you last word of the show? So, first of all, thanks for having me in. Uh, I hope we can do this again. On behalf of our members who uh, really uh, uh, make the holidays happen in so many ways, we work in those retail stores, drug stores, supermarkets, liquor stores. We also produce a lot of the food that your families will enjoy this holiday season. Um, I ask that you keep them in mind. Shop union, buy union, buy union-made products, build union, 
uh, it'll make for a better world for all of us. Thank you. Great stuff from Wendell Young joining us here tonight. Again, Wendell, the president of UFCW Local 1776KS, uh, with us for the full hour uh, in the studio today. We're leading you into Temple St. Joe's basketball on behalf of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, on behalf of Wendell Young, and of course, my partner, uh, J. Doc, Matt behind the glass. Well done. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.